Hello and welcome to the Footnotes History Podcast. Today we've got something a bit different to what we were talking about last time. Last time we were talking about the, Napole- the Napoleonic invasion of Egypt. And today we've got something, I think it's fair to say, a bit of a different kind of style. A little bit Way different, more different. Different geographic Way. area, different time, you know, different we're mixing people. it up. Keele University's Declaration of Independence. Now you're right, you're what is Keel University. Well, it's a university. Uh, it's, it's a university, a university yeah, ah, in it's just... the North Midlands of the United West Kingdom Midlands. of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, in the county of Staffordshire. Um, yeah, and Got it's uh, right so far. Close by Newcastle on the line. Keep keep going, keep going. Okay, tell us more about it. Okay, right. So I know you're all sitting there, and you 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 see this like term Declaration of Independence, and you're like, hold on, a university isn't a country, and you know what, you're right, you, you you're definitely right, it it isn't a country, but and you're also thinking, oh, maybe it's an independent from like this big, you know, like umbrella corporation of universities trying to, you know, by the government trying to change the way people think. Nah, it, it's not that either. No, it, it's not a part of some umbrella corporation. It's literally students deciding to take a stand, you know, and this is why I think it's a footnote, you know, it's students, you know, you know, rising up, you know, deciding to say, you know what, we, we hate the way this is going, let's make a country, because I feel that is the best way to show and make a stand, you know. And, like, I feel like this should become, like, all about, like, independence because these students are rising up again and saying, like, we hate this stupid government. We want to become our own country. We hate everything. And this is why, like, I think it should be a footnote because it's about students, you know. It's, they are so against this sort of stupid government that, like, there's no better way, in my opinion, of staging a protest than just going all out and being like, you know what, we're not going to protest, we're not going to do a little rally, let's just become our own country. Which I think is like, the like I, I have participated in Occupy Central and in the Hong Kong July 1st protests, and they're just, little, you know, you're doing a little rally, you're walking about, you're chanting, but I feel this doesn't come nowhere as near as deciding, you know what, to just become your own country. And this is why I feel it should be the number one footnote, in fact. Right, I'm going to bring up the the obvious question. I think you probably might anticipate it. What? But did the students at Kiel, did they really think that they were going to make an independent country? Ah, well, no. <laughs> but Okay, okay. <laughs> that, that should not We've, take... Get that out of the way first. <laughs> this should not take away from the grand success. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cover all this, but basically, right, this is... I'd also like to... Um, show that in the show notes the reason why there's only two sources because even though this is relatively i, w- I wouldn't say unimportant i find it important but it, it's not that impactful but I, it should still be important because this is a part of the keel oral history project which i i kind of enjoy these sort of things because um what they're trying to do is instead of just like making keel all about like this is what the chancellor says this is how he thinks the university is run this is what the history of the university is it's more about oh let's pass this down to our like they they give they bring in these old alumni students they bring in old teachers they bring in you know hell hell maybe even old janitors and they just sit them down like oh what do you think of this and they're like oh well i thought this was about you know oh the declaration of independence wow i loved it you know so I, f- I feel that's more important because to me, you know, history is all about like 
about being like social, you know, not not just about like the people at the top, you know, screw the elitists, you know, it's all about, you know, the people and how they thought, you know, it's more social history and that's like what I'm going for. So enough of all that sort of stuff, you know, let's actually talk about what happened. So the, it was the declaration of 1980 and this is, let's just set the scene here, right? This is, On, this is one year after... Thatcher won the election in 79, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 it would be, yeah. Right, so, let's just set the scene here, you know. Curtain rising. On 18th February 1980, the students of Kew University issued a declaration of independence. They proclaimed independence, and it was addressed to Margaret Thatcher by uh, Linda Balfe. Balfe? Don't know the last name, but it was the president of Kew University Student Union. And it says, we, the people of Kiel, are and always have been deeply opposed to cutbacks in education expenditure. The British government's proposals for education are a front to the principles and ultimate welfare of society. It's our belief that education is a right and not a privilege and should be freely available to all. So already, you know, you have the scene of like rising up, you know, this was a message of protest against the severe cuts in higher education budgets. These cuts were especially harsh on Kiel, and it, it in fact even endangered the, su- the survival of the university itself. So already, you know, you, uh, co- compared to last episode, this was like, the last episode was all about like taking over countries and stuff, right? But I feel like we need to, that, that was, you know, that's too broad. We need to bring it back down to, you know, to like the little people, the people just studying in the university. Mm. And to, to really show that, I'd like to bring up the national anthem. And it was sung to a tune of You'll Never Walk Alone. I won't sing it, uh, but you can find... <laughs> I, I, I am not going to sing it. Maybe Go you on. Could sing. No. <laughs> God. Okay, fine, fine. But I will stick it into the show notes, and maybe you could sing it on your own. But basically, it was uh, the, the, the final sort of... I don't know if it's a stanza. I don't know how anthems work, whether songs have stanzas or paragraphs. That, that, I think that's a poem. Is that a poem? Oh, yeah. what's, what's a song then? Verse? A verse. Verse, yeah. yeah. And the final verse, no cuts, no cuts until they are stopped. We'll govern on our own. We'll govern on our own. And I just love that. And I mean, if you're going to do like a declaration of independence and you don't have an anthem, you're not really taking it very seriously. Yes. And that just sums up how great this is because they've, they've gone to all these lengths, right? Mm. And however, though, Heritage, you, you raised a point earlier, right? So, like, we're, we're talking all about this anthem. And I'm really, I, I think I'm really exaggerating it, by the way. This actually is not, like, you could try searching for this. Don't, you'll only get the Keel Oral History Project. Don't okay. think this is, like, massively serious. But I like to add, so Heritage, you're all, like, you know, you, you're thinking about the students, right? Did they really want this? Did every, all of them want this? Well, here's the thing, though, okay? The Oral History Project points this out, and it... it the uh, Chris Parkins here, one of the people involved in the project, said, "It does have to be said that the majority of students didn't really involve themselves, uh, so n- nothing really sort of happened in that way. There was there was not like I don't I, as much as I'm trying to paint this picture of thousands of students rising up. You know, they're they're punching the windows open. They're like, we want to be free. That isn't it. Nah, it was." basically pretty much just a small group of people um the the maximum amount of impact it really had was that keel became locally known as the kremlin on the hill there being (laughs) 
So, fair enough. I mean, I, I feel that as um, a, a good attempt, you know. If, if As long as you get locally known, I feel that's just... That's, that's good enough. I, and I think at, at about this point, it's probably important to note for like those people that aren't as kind of aware of the kind of general trends of British history, from like that basically the end of World War II to 1980, Britain had a much more socialist-oriented government. Even the conservative government, uh, like government spending on things like education, health, and all those things went up massively, and people had come to change their view about these kinds of things and now it's now the majority of people see in the UK see higher education as a right rather than as a privilege and so when Margaret Thatcher basically reversed a lot of that it, it flipped the whole in, world upside down exactly in the in the uh, reversal back to kind of neoliberal thinking right it was yeah. just massively horrific to many people um, although the counter argument to that is that in like the 70s and things the trade unions were far too powerful um and uh, rich people were paying too much in taxes and things like that so just just know the context yeah yeah it's important to point that out but then again so it became like locally known as the kremlin on the hill and you know what when you when you're a country right an important thing I think when when you become a country is that well they're the Olympics and <laughs> it was about March 1980 and this is going to be the most seamless transition right so since the International Olympic Committee was upset at the fact that the Summer Olympics was located in Moscow you know the whole Cold War thing like oh it's Moscow guess who decided to stage a bid it was Keele <laughs> University right student rally not a student rally it was only 12 people yeah. 12, 12 person rally that's yeah like. 12, 12 people just chilling just like oh we should we should <laughs> we should have a bid and uh well i like to point out though like you, you it, since it's only 12 people i'd also like to address the fact that it wasn't even a like the bid they didn't even care so there was um there's another quote here from the oral history which was um about like the endless union meetings so my only enduring memory of those endless union meetings was the appointment of the chip finder general who played the hugely important part of standing behind the curtains in the main hall waiting for the chip van to arrive to signal to signal the end of the meeting <laughs> so yeah I, I i like this though because it's like oral history you know it's just you know it's like a bunch of little people you know just casual up like ah oh, what did they really think oh no it's just actually i didn't really care i just wanted to know when the chip van would arrive so i can have my, my you know my fish and chips <laughs> <laughs> so i i like this though because it's like university students right and they're all having a laugh and you know what we can take this to the next step and we can talk about all these like crazy sort of goings on you know all these crazy stunts happening at um q university and one of these was the bat on the library clock so the what um, on the what the bat there was a bat you know a bat a bird the bat that, the, bird. that sounds really weird you're gonna have to right okay explain. so let me explain this right so there's a bat on this library clock and this is like i feel this is peak you know university student shenanigans 
okay? okay? What they did was, right, so we nobody knows. So Mark Thomas here, he's he talks about it in the Orestry Project. He doesn't nobody knows really who did it. But all they know is, right, they, they got this bat, right? This and from the bi biology part of the university. I don't really know what that's called, but where they do, you know, the autopsies and stuff. And they got this dead bat. And right. so, so the clock, when, when the clock has to do its regular checkup, they spend several thousands of pounds. And I feel there is no better way for a student to rise up and show your point by getting a, a dead bat and just slapping it up against the library clock and leaving it there. And as Mark Thomas points out, <laughs> there's no better way to show you eyes up. As Mark Thomas points out, I thought the bat was brilliant. It brightened my day then and for several days. And the memory of it continues to do so. And I feel that sort of image in your head of a dead bat plastered against the library clock. The student shenanigans of Kew University. You know, these are proper, you know, this is some proper good laughs. You know, these are proper people. They're having a laugh and they're having some fun. I mean, if you're going to do a political revolution, but you're not going to have a laugh along the way, like, what, what's no the point? point? Yeah, what's yeah, the yeah. point? You know, Bolshevik uprising, they, I reckon they probably, you know, had a few laughs along the way, you know, haha. Maybe they did. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> Russians you know, are, like, probably a bit more serious, but. They probably drunk quite a bit, though. You have to yeah. admit, you know. Wh oh, when, that is um, true. That is true. Yeah, exactly. So they're probably, like, drinking after, like, uh, like every night, you know. They, mm. they, 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 we took over somewhere else. Hurrah. And then go home and have a drink. So um, uh, that is one of many shenanigans. The second one is actually a bit more political, though. But, you know, it's, it's also important. It was a no-cuts painting. So it was a painting just saying the words no-cuts, as in no-cuts to, like, education. That doesn't um, sound like the most sophisticated painting in the world. That That's not exactly the Sistine Chapel. Yeah, it isn't even a painting, really. I think it's just some really poor graffiti. And I'd like to point oh, out... okay. Right, it... it <laughs> I'm laughing as I read this, right? So, uh, this is from Chris Parkins. When the unknown artist climbed up to the roof of the chapel, they discovered that they had neglected to bring a paintbrush, so the letters were actually painted on with a rolled-up sock. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? They were, they were, the, the letters were actually painted on with a rolled-up sock. That is... So, wow. so imagine, right, you're in the situation, okay, you you're trying to become a country, you've had a bat plastered on the clock, and you're like, oh no, what's happening here? It appears that everybody's lo losing sight of the true goal. So you climb up, you, you get your massive ladder, 2am, you climb up the ladder, you're like, oh, you, you, you got your massive can of paint with you, and you're going to sprawl out the words, no cuts, you know, you thought about it in your head, you get up there, ah, I forgot the paintbrush. <laughs> You used up a rolled up sock. That is that is proper. And I, feel I like wonder. I wonder if uh, during the storming of the Winter Palace in October 1917, <laughs> Lenin got his massive ladder. He got and then, his and then climbed up to the roof of the Winter Palace. He was prepared to write, "Down with the Czar, down with the February government." Uh, but then he's like, "Oh crap! I forgot my paintbrush." He forgot his paintbrush, so he uses up a rolled up sock instead. Mm. <laughs> uh, this is like the shan the, the, all the shenanigans I like to cover I feel like that's important you know just like 
even when it seems so serious in a way that you want to take a stand against no, low cuts and you think that education is a right and not a privilege <laughs> the, those shenanigans I think they show like the other side and as well as that though even though um, with all these sort of shenanigans going on you, you think that most of students would take control in fact actually we're going to now show another face of this declaration which was the face that well none of the students really cared or even in fact liked it so uh, an, an example of this was uh, uh, brought by a David Williams and he was a part of the passport and border control right well he wasn't really a part of it but he was living on the outskirts so he was actually living in Newcastle on the Lime and um, if you do that you have to to people that don't know Kiel, Kiel's like on this hill and you know there's a long road going up but there's no houses around it. So if you want to live like off university house, like not inside the university, you have to live in Newcastle on the line. So that's called living abroad if you were a part <laughs> of the, <laughs> you were a foreigner in, you were a foreigner coming to visit the country. And every time they did you'd have to go for a painstaking apparently, a painstaking uh, border control where they you spent five minutes and you had to have your passports and all and a lot of people actually hated that and uh, an example of that was also in the FCS which is the Federation of Conservative Students who organized their own counter demonstrations and which is basically just ten people just waving a large Union Jack flag outside mm. so um, we're, we're going to talk about this later on, but uh, it's also about po political participation is something that I'd like to talk about later on. But you know what? Yeah, I bet you're right. You're like, oh, surely. Heritage, you're sitting there, right? You're, <laughs> the readers, are, you're sitting there right now like, surely he can't go on anymore. Surely <laughs> this is it. Like, Because it, it, yeah, I'd like to add that compared to like the last episode and CMO high her earlier on, um, all of these, you know, they were over like a period, you know, months, you know. Okay. Uh, the, the, uh, Napoleon, Napoleon doing Egypt. That was a really long time. How long was that? It was Who like cares? three, three years? Three years, right? This was like just a couple of, this was like, I think this was barely even a week. So you're saying they're like, surely this man, right? His stupid research <laughs> with a bunch of idiots just like saying like, ah, oh, you know what? The government's bad, you know. Well, guess what? They did it again. They did it again. There was of course some they did. Of course <laughs> they did. You, you, think, you think there's enough? Oh, wait, there's more. So we're going to... I'm, I'm not going to do it as in much details about everything that went down, you know. Every single sort of shenanigans again, you know. No, no, we're not going to go on about another bat or whatever. We're just <laughs> going to do a quick overview because, honestly, there's just so much stupid 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 shenanigans going on so um they had this uh second time which was in the academic year 1984 to 1985 um uh and this was because so what they did here right they couldn't sadly they, they sadly couldn't like craft another letter and send it to thatcher well uh passports were reissued so they hand out the passports back out again they made your own passports again because uh margie Ma good old maggie thatcher uh, suggested Kiel should amalgamate with uh, North Staffordshire Polytechnic, which is a... I mean, that's just a horrific insult. 
yeah. to say like a university should amalgamate with a polytechnic. Like you're you you you're just so bad. You just just you know do your own thing. And basically, right, no one wanted to do this, right? Because if you did, you'd have a joint subject, and those those classes would be in Stoke, and they're really far away, so it would have been a logistical nightmare, according to Sarah Dak. So, I just like how the students of Kiel, they're, they're very, I wouldn't say nationalist, this isn't nationalistic, this is, how would you even say, universalistic? University? No, they, they just like... They just wanted to take a stand. Yeah, they're just not going to keep taking all this crap from the government. And I like that, you know, you're, you're fighting back. Right. You're not letting the government push you around saying, oh, you should join North Staffordshire Polytechnic. <laughs> you know, you must do this. They're like, no, 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 we're going to become a country again. So there was another one, right? So that was the one in 1984 to 85. That was the one about um, uh, Thatcher suggesting Kiel should amalgamate. There was another one in 1991. And this, I, I, this one was different because um, it was actually... I'll actually tell you the story. Because basically what happened, right? There was no real... Thatcher didn't really do anything to provoke a... Um, there was no real sort of fight against Kiel, you know, there was no massive cuts at the time in 1991, so they were like, oh, hold on, well, you, you're sitting there like, what, what could possibly, you know, make them want to rise up, you know? Uh, it turns out this was actually simply just because um, uh, there was the RAG, which is in Kiel, it's sort of like this sort of, um, how do I say, it? sort of like charity, uh, so like uh, charity organization, you know, like, right. a, like a charity society, and I feel this is actually a good one. You know, this is like a good independence. You know, because it wasn't <laughs> hatred. They were just like, uh, your passport is this uh, magazine, which uh, all profits like go to like charity and stuff. Oh, that's and nice. Yeah, that's exactly. Nice. It was so nice. And like when the buses came into Kiel, uh, they would uh, they would stop and they'd let the students on, so they'd go on and they'd be like. If you want, you can buy this magazine or donations go to charity. So, you know, it, it was actually nice. You know, so it was, this it was, was a more, slightly more light-hearted declaration a light -hearted, of independence. Yeah, a light-hearted declaration of independence, mm. if, there, if there is such thing. So, yeah. And you, you, so with all these, like, with, especially with the one in 1991, you're like, oh, you're sitting there and you're like, hold on, but this, surely this shouldn't count as a declaration of independence because you need to be recognized don't you you need to be recognized by at least something you know to at least some country or some global organization to be able to say you're a country right mm, mm, mm. and obviously there's like debate over like uh was it kosovo wants to become a country or something you know they, they need like recognition from other powers like kosovo wanted to make the fifa uh, they they went to fifa like we're making a football team please recognize us so yeah there's this whole thing about recognition right so you're saying they're like ah keel wouldn't be keel isn't a country then because they received no like <laughs> in their declaration they surely haven't been recognized at all ha you're wrong <laughs> of course <laughs> you're wrong you're always wrong because rachel hall right she um she says I don't remember any passports being issued at that time, but I did hold on to a letter of recognition from the then governor of Gibraltar. Gibraltar oh. gave a scroll to Kiel, recognizing them as an independent state under the sovereignty of the Queen for 24 hours. Nice. And you know what? You're sitting there like it's just 24 hours, mate. It's 24 hours of pure 
utopia. You have you have become a country for 24 hours, and the governor of Gibraltar recognizes that. That's... And you know what? Wow. You you have to you have to. Uh, no, I'm genuinely I'm surprised that the governor of Gibraltar took like half an hour of his day to write <laughs> to a write letter of recognition. A scroll a letter of recognition. A scroll too. <laughs> a scroll. You know, just just sitting there. I mean, he probably doesn't have a lot to do. <laughs> That's why I assume he probably did. So, uh, enough of... <laughs> That's just a weird, unnecessary dig at the governor of Gibraltar, but okay. <laughs> but I, I wouldn't know what you have to do there. I mean, what would you do? I mean, Not it's to... what governors anywhere do. They govern. <laughs> what can you govern in Gibraltar to massive You know, rock? people live there. People actually live there. They'd people be that fine. work for the Royal Navy live there. It recognized Kiel as a country. Surely he can't do that much. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you're right. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe I, I sits I in his office all day, twirling his mustache. I don't know. <laughs> I am definitely right, Heritage. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, the, the, there's as I as I said with all this shenanigans and everything, right? This this um this all about political participation at the end of the day. You know, this is an act, a stand against the government because you're angry at some sort of legislation or rule or, well. Anybody can be pissed. Uh, anybody could be angry at anything nowadays, you know. But anyways, um, have you ever taken part in any political participation at all, rallies I, or anything? I actually haven't really because, oh, okay. in in my view, I take the kind of like uh, the Jordan Peterson view on it that you should clean your room before <laughs> you try and fix the world. I don't know how uh, familiar our listeners are with, but it's basically it's a. Uh, it's a theory that you have to fix yourself. You have to place your house in order before you try and fix the world. And then, so what he says is that if you can't clean your room, how are you going to clean up the world? So, like, I'm still at the room cleaning stage. You, you still try to clean your room. Yeah. You color coded. Room is me- room is a mess actually. Your room is a mess. That's yeah. Um, well, mm, yeah, mine isn't that much better. Yeah. So. So, this again also rises. So, as we're reading for all these shenanigans and all these events, half the time, right? So, for example, in the, when they decided to try to stage a biz to, you know, get recognized by the International Olympic Committee and become, you know, their own Summer Olympics in Keele University, imagine that. <laughs> um, the union meetings, right? They were, they, even though they're endless, it was actually more about the appointment of the chip finder general, which is someone that just stands outside, looks for the chip van, goes back into the room. Chip van's here, fish and chips, let's go. Do you feel then, does it even matter that, like, not everyone took part, or do, do you think then it's still important just this whole idea of an image of Keel rising up? Like, does everyone have to take part for the protest or rally or? I mean, I don't, I don't really think so, because, I mean, even if a lot of people didn't take part, they probably were sympathetic to, like, the viewpoint, because, like, no student wants to see tuition fees rise. Oh, definitely. Um, <laughs> and, and I also, it's not, not directly related to your question, but it's actually, like, I gotta give some props for, like, quite creative to declare independence, because a lot of, like, student activity or university student activity in America, like, at, uh... Uh, UC Berkeley or things like that where you have like Antifa versus the alt-right. No one thinks, hmm, why don't we just declare independence? Oh. You know? I mean, that's you got to give them some 
props for creativity there. Everyone's like, no, let's just like punch some Nazis. No, like declare independence. Like, come on. <laughs> Take a real stand. Yeah. Yeah. Anti anti FA versus alt right. That's nothing. Declare. That, that, that is what we should say to people. It doesn't matter what you are. Just declare. Just become a country. Everyone becomes a country. Every every district becomes a country now. So, I I feel like at the end, does do you think the, does the actual impact of the protest matter or is it the image? Because there's this whole thing, right? We touched upon it earlier with Occupy Central. Uh, it impacted nothing, but I feel the image of the protest is very prevalent. You know. So yeah. do you feel then? Do do you think they like coincide like the image and the impact, or do you think that it's a tricky question? I mean, and I, admittedly, I didn't word it the best in terms of practical impact. Yeah, practical almost, impact. almost nothing. But yeah, uh, it is mostly about the kind of the image. I think. Well, I think the practical impact of this was that Kiel was recognized as the Kremlin mm. on the hill. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, <laughs> that, 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 that's a big. That's a big point. Mm. Uh, anyway, so. Finally, just to like wrap this up, you know, we're gonna go even more broad now. Not not about political participation, but just about like actual source. So maybe like meta, meta sourcing. We're going meta here now. What do you think of the source in like social history? Because I don't know about you, because I'm the I'm the kind of person that thinks that um, when you're doing sources and like when you're like investigating history, I tend to value I, I don't like looking at statistics and seeing a country and it'll be like oh five percent gdp rise oh hey you know economy is good i prefer reading something where it's a diary of um a person at war or, or a person in like uh, a country at a time saying like oh no we felt so much happier because yeah, there, there were there was a computer in the store for once, you know, mm. something like that. So, what do you think about this sort of like social oral history? Do you, do you like it? Do you, what do you think? Which one do you prefer? Even? Well, I mean, the problem with oral history is that uh, it's like the classic problem of Chinese whispers, you know. Ah. Um, but when you write something down, the worst that can happen is someone like misinterprets it. But I mean. No, actually, this is completely unrelated, but essentially the, uh, I believe it was the Odyssey, uh, uh, written by Homer, wasn't written down until, like, centuries after Homer died. It was just transmitted Ow. orally. Just oh. People would just get other people to memorize the entire thing. And it is freaking long, man. Like, it is long poem. Surely uh, then they would have got it wrong. At some point, I mean, that's if it was the written thing. after that's his death, the thing. it was very long. But to be fair, like some people in like ancient Greece, or like aristocrats, would probably have like nothing better to do than like memorize <laughs> a poem that's like a two hundred thousand words. I don't know how long the Odyssey is, but like, it's long. It is long. So no matter where you are, and no matter whether you're university or just some guy living in his home clean your room and then together we can all start declaring independence thank you thank you goodbye <laughs>